Amen. Hey, you guys can be seated. Would y'all give it up for our worship team? Awesome. Well, as Mac mentioned on the front end, we are in the middle of a series that we're calling The Designer. And if you were not with us last week, uh, we spent all week just laying, or all night, just laying a foundation. Uh, And that foundation was that because God is the designer of everything, he is the only one with the right to define everything. And I told you last week, uh, if you're not here, or if you were not here last week, then you're going to hear it tonight. But uh, tonight we're talking about God's design for men. So if you're a guy in the room and you were brought by some of your friends, um, they, they might think you have a lot to learn. I, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they just, you know, you're their project. I'm just kidding. Uh, but we are super, super excited um, to see what the Lord is going to do through uh, the preaching of his word tonight. And I want to introduce to you a very special guest. So tonight, um, sharing with you is going to be our lead pastor at Christ Place. His name is Pastor Jeff Crook. And so many of you know him already, but those of you in the room who don't attend Christ Place wanted to put a name with a face. So would you guys make welcome Pastor Jeff? I am so, uh, so grateful to be here tonight. Uh, Logan invited me back in August and talked to me about the series that he was leading you guys in, Design. And so uh, he invited me to speak tonight on men. And so I've been hearing all these great things about what God is doing. And I want you to know, it's so good to be here, but my heart's been here. My heart's been here now for several months. I'm an early riser. I started that discipline when I was in college. When I was in college, I'd always take the early classes because uh, I wanted to sleep in, and I knew that wasn't healthy. So I disciplined myself to take the earliest class, to get up early, to seize the day. So I've always kept that habit. Uh, throughout my life, and on uh, early mornings, I have time with God, I'm sure you do as well, and I have this special prayer time, and every Thursday morning, I, I pray for you guys, so every Thursday, and it, it, it's marked in my prayer calendar, because this is Revive Day, and so I've been lifting you up to God since uh, we started this new semester, and you know, it's like I don't know lots of names, and I'm seeing faces for the first time. But prayer is so powerful that when you take people to God in prayer, he knows exactly who needs it and what needs to happen. So I'm glad to be here, but I want you to know my heart's been here for several weeks and to hear what God is doing and to see tonight what the Lord is doing. And I believe in this ministry. Christ's place is your advocate. We believe in college students, the next generation. Matter of fact, our heart is so much for the next generation that Our mission is to reach and raise the next generation to live out God's truth. And and I hope you're connected to, you know, God's church. You know, the the Lord formed you for family. And so you need a a church home. And I know some of you go to Christ's place. And if if you don't have a church on Sunday, you you ought to come check us out. Go to the north. Pastor Ben and I preach the same message each Sunday. Come up at Oakwood and hang out with us. Back in my college days, I was so thankful for the church I attended. I needed a pastor to like watch over my soul and encourage me. I needed like older people in my life, like mentors. And the Lord's put us in the body of Christ. So I I just want you to know that Christ Place loves you. And if we can ever encourage you or support you, it it would be such an honor. 
So do you have God's Word tonight? I don't know how you look at God's Word, if it's on your device or you carry a Bible. But I heard this statement a while back. If you want to be wise, you need to own a Bible. If you want to be wise about how God wired you as a male or a female, you need to own a Bible and you need to open the Bible. And so we're going to be tonight in the book of Genesis. I think it's a great starting place, specifically when you're talking about, you know, gender role and men and women and the differences that uh, they have and how God wired them and made them. Now, I know I'm talking to the guys tonight, but uh, listen, ladies, a couple things that I think I want you to hear me say. Really, what I'm teaching is applicable to all of us in a general way about knowing God and, and, and representing Him and honoring Him. But also, the females in the room, what you're going to hear tonight is what you should be looking for in a guy. So you need to really lean in, ladies, to this message because this is really the type of guy you need to pray for. And I, I want to tell you all the women in this room that are my sisters in the Lord. So I look at myself tonight as your older brother, and I'm speaking to my younger sister. Don't settle. Don't settle. You pray for a godly man and this message we're bringing tonight will help you in what to look for in a guy. And to all the guys in the room, you guys aren't boys, you are men. So all of you men in the room, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge the fire out of you tonight. I'm going to call something out of you. See, it's not what God wants to put on you, it's what God wants to do through you. And He's already in your life if you know Him. And I want to call you men out. To really become the man that God has made you to be. Okay, so men and women are different. And so that's pretty, you know, evident. It's pretty real. We look different. We have different body parts. We have different psychological makeup. I was reading something. Tell me if you think this is true. In the average bathroom, a guy has about five things. And there's a little list, you know, like a toothbrush. Maybe we're praying he uses one, right? There's a few other things, about five items. But the statistic I read, in a girl's bathroom, there are 337 items. So I'm going to talk to me. Is that kind of true? And so God made men and women different. He wired us different, and we function different. Now, that's, a, that's just a common sense statement. But for me to say something like that today, people will like stone me. People will like pick up rocks and throw them at me because a statement like that today is not accepted. I mean, things I'm talking about a decade ago, no debate, not real controversial. But in 2022, some of the stuff that I'm going to be teaching you, it is very controversial. There might be someone here tonight and you, you may not like some things that I say. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not a bully preacher. I'm not a mean preacher. I'm not a preacher that likes to tick people off. I'm going to tell you this about me. I always open the scriptures and tell people when I have a chance to teach the word of God, this is what God says. See, this is our authority. So you've got to settle something right now. If you don't settle this, you're going to live a screwed up life. You've got to settle something. What is your authority in life? And we believe at Revive. We believe at Christ Place Church that our authority is God's word. And so God has said in His Word how we are designed. And I want to read a scripture in Genesis, and it goes like this. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, look at this, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The word of God says that in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. That's controversial today. People look at that scripture and they mock it. They want to redefine it. They say that's not true. But this is what your creator said. You didn't create yourself. You didn't define yourself. You didn't design yourself. And you don't keep yourself alive right now. All of us right now have a heart beating in our chest. If your heart stopped beating, we're calling 911. That means that something's wrong. Did you know who keeps your heart beating? God is your creator and your sustainer. And this is what God has said. So as we talk about this series for a few weeks on designer, here's a couple like crystal clear truths in God's word. And they're non-negotiables for followers of Jesus Christ. Now if you don't follow Jesus Christ, you might not accept them. But if you follow Jesus Christ and you believe that when you leave this earth, you're going to be with him in heaven, this is a non-negotiable. Here they are, three of them. One of them is the sanctity of human life. The sanctity of human life. So look what Genesis said. God created man in his own image. So everybody is made and created in the image of God. We're all image bearers in this room. You have a little brother or sister back home. They are made in the image of God. Do you have a nephew or niece that just got born this year? Got a little baby in the family. You can't wait to see that baby at Thanksgiving. They were made in the image of God. And so when a woman gets pregnant, God puts life in her womb. God created that life. And that life is to have life. It is made in the image of God. We are God image bearers. Here's another crystal clear truth that you've just got to settle as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's this, the selection of your gender. So God made you male or female. You are not an accident. God wasn't having a bad day and got real confused. He gave you exactly the equipment he wanted you to have. And there's only two distinct genders. Again, listen, that's common sense. But you say that today, people will spit in your face. They'll curse you out because they say, no, that's not true. But our designer only made two distinct genders. How do we know? It's right here in the Bible. It's right here in the Word of God, male and female. Third crystal clear truth, building foundation for our talk tonight, the sacredness of marriage. It's right in those verses that God brought a man and a woman together and marriage is defined as a male and a female being united as one flesh. Two women can't be one flesh. Two men can't be one flesh. God ordained male and female the institution of marriage. Now, your generation today, that's up for debate. And lots of people don't accept that truth. But you've got to make a decision tonight. You're either going to let the culture define what you believe. And allow it to be your authority. And here's the deal about the culture. They're always moving the goalpost. Do you see that? They're always redefining. They're updating. But we believe that God is immutable. That's a big word. But what does immutable mean? It means that God doesn't change. 
And so what God has set, it's our order. It's as Caleb mentioned in his prayer, the rules that we follow. And this is what God says. Okay, Pastor Jeff, but you're in Genesis, and I'm not sure about that Old Testament. You know, Jesus died for our sin in the New Testament. So all that's Old Testament stuff. So so we're not Old Testament people. We're New Testament people. and, And I don't even know what Jesus thought about that. Oh, Jesus thought a lot about this. Let me show you a scripture, and it's right up on the screen behind me. Listen to what Jesus said about uh, this subject. It's a a passage about how the Pharisees, uh, they were coming to Jesus, and they asked him, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And Jesus answered, look at what the Word of God says. Have you not read that God who created them from the beginning made them, help me, help me, Male and female. And he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. What Therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So, so did you see what we just saw? That God designed this, and Jesus Christ affirmed it. So if Jesus Christ is your sin bearer, If you're going to believe you're going to miss hell and go to heaven, the only way you're going to go to heaven is on what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. And you've got to believe He died and came back from the dead. You've got to believe He's the Savior. And our Savior just affirmed what God established in the book of Genesis. So this is what God has said. But in our culture today, we value our opinion more than God and we become wise in our own eyes. And Paul would say in Romans 1 that you become wise in your own eyes and it makes you even foolish. And today some of the things that people say and embrace, they're just foolish. They make no sense. I mean, when you really think about them, just bringing logic into the situation, it makes no sense. But when we bring biblical authority into the situation, we know it's not of God. So I'm building a foundation, and now I'm going to just talk for a few moments about men and manhood. But I had to tell you what God designed. He designed the sanctity of human life, the selection of your gender, and the sacredness of marriage. So let's go a little bit deeper now and talk about how God wired us as men. So uh, I'm 52. I was born in 1970. So I was the kid in the 80s, really. You know, so I'm I'm in fifth grade in 1980, and I'm thinking about over my lifetime all the uh, stereotypes or characters of men, you know, what real men look like. And I'm just kind of thinking through growing up some things out there. So when I I was a kid, uh, it was real popular for manhood to be like the Marlboro man. Now, you're probably not in an age where you'd remember that, but when I was a kid, there's this commercial all the time, and it was the marble man, and it was it was about smokes, you know, and he was this rugged cowboy, chiseled face, you know, tough, leathered look, tough guy. That would be like the picture of a real man, strong, independent with a cig. You're a real man. You're a marble man. And then it kind of morphed into... Uh, Macho, macho man and, and the village people, they're all fruitcakes. And so, you know, they kind of helped us and understand, no, it's not the marble man, it's macho, macho man, you know. And then that kind of went out of vogue and 
Then we learned about the metrosexual man. And I just, I was a little curious about that. I just kind of did a little Google this afternoon about what's a metrosexual man. It is a young, urban, uh, uh, heterosexual man with liberal political leanings. And he's really into fashion. And he uh, is real refined in his sense of taste. And so then the, then the metrosexual man was real, was real famous. And, and guys got to look real fashionable. And they get their mani-pedi. And, you know, they're all real cool. And they dress all neat. And then, then it morphed into something, and we've heard this in recent days, called alpha male. So that, that's something you've heard of before, alpha male. And he's the top dog, the lead dog, and he'll bark at you. You know, he might even bite you as well. Alpha male. Alpha male. But then it got really weird because then they went crazy, you know, with the Greek alphabet. So you, you now got beta male, gamma male, delta male, sigma male, omicron male. And so all the guys out there, we just get confused like, man, I don't know what a, what a, what a man's supposed to look like. So, you know, real men play football. Real men are artists. Real men are musicians. Real men are real smart, and they become doctors. And so we get this idea about, you know, what is a guy? And a lot of men are in confusion about how God wired you, designed you, and made you. And you know what happens? You become a dysfunctional man. Now, I'm saying this out of kindness and love, but I'm looking tonight at several men in this room you are a dysfunctional, dysfunctional young man. I'm, I'm not throwing shade at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not coming up here trying to offend you. But what I mean by dysfunctional is you're not functioning as God designed you. So, so some of you may say, I've come up from a dysfunctional family. By the way, we all have. You know, we, we all have like problems in our family and inconsistencies and failures. So we all have some dysfunction. But when I say that men today are dysfunctional, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at you. I'm not being salty tonight. I'm just being honest. What I mean by that is lots of men are not functioning according to the design that God has wired them and made them. And so when you are not functioning as a biblical man, you're dysfunctional. So what we need, we, we, we need a role model. We need, we need to go to the scriptures and we need to look at a case study of what a real man looks like so we can, we can live authentic manhood. So here's the guy, and, and I was thinking about all the men I could talk about, you know, to teach you on God's design for man. And I just felt led to go to Abraham. You know, Father Abraham and many sons. Remember that song? So Abraham, and Abraham is talked about all in the Bible, but specifically in Genesis. So I want you to find with me Genesis number 18. Genesis number 18. And I want to talk to you about how Abraham uh, is uh, a real model for what it means to be a godly man. And when you look at the life of Abraham, he was, he was known for two things. Two things that dude was known for. He is called a father of faith, and he's called a friend of God. And so all the men in this room tonight, that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be his friend, and he wants you to become a friend of his. And he wants you to be a father of the faithful. And what do we know about fathers? Fathers are lovers. Fathers are leaders. Fathers are influencers. One of our pastors at Christ's place, he came and spoke to you like 
two weeks ago, Pastor Rick, and I think he was closing out your Colossians series, and Rick and I were in a conference together about a couple years ago, and uh, we were all challenged to like sum up our life calling in two words. And I remember in that session, Rick really felt like his two words were fathering hope, fathering hope. And, and if you know Pastor Rick, he's got this like fathering, you know, ministry style of him. And so all of us as men, God, one day, God willing, if his will for you, you may become a father. And only men can become fathers. Women can't become daddies. Women are mommies and men are daddies. That's pretty clear, right? So again, I mean, when you begin to like let the culture define you, you, you just really start talking stupid. And we don't want to talk stupid. We want to speak with wisdom. And so God wants all you young men today to be a friend of God, and he wants you to father hope in other people's lives. And that was the life of Abraham. i got to give you a little context to where we're at before I unpack these couple verses. So there were these two wicked cities in Bible days called Sodom and Gomorrah. You ever heard about them? And they were so wicked, so depraved, that the, the cry of the people were reaching the ears of God. And God sent some representatives from heaven to go check out the city to see how bad it was. And they're having this meeting with, with Abraham at this moment. And Abraham was a godly man in a, in a very godless day. Now, now, in Bible days, spirituality was everywhere. But the worship of one true God was in the minority. And that's how it is here. That's how it here is on the UNG campus, Delonica, everywhere. There's a lot of spirituality. There's a lot of like spiritual TikToks that really draw you in and they feel good. There's a lot of spirituality and religion, but there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And so Abraham was a, was a God follower, and he was living different in a dark day. So let me read. We're in Genesis number 18. And I want to begin looking at verse number uh, 16 uh, in our Bible. So let's read it together. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Key verse here. This is what we're unpacking tonight. For I have chosen Abraham that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bless, bring to Abraham what he has promised to him. So that's our passage tonight. And I'm going to show you in that verse 19 exactly how God desire, designed men. So listen to me, males. Listen to me, dudes. Listen to me, guys. I'm speaking about this is what God's calling me and you to do. And all you girls, this is what you ought to be praying for. This is what you ought to be looking for in a guy. This, and if you've got a guy and he's doing this like, okay, be his cheerleader. Because no one's perfect. But if you've got you a guy, and you can see tonight through this teaching that, that he may struggle. You know, when my, when my, when my kids learn to walk, I didn't count the times they fell. I count the steps they took. So when my daughter and son were learning to walk, I didn't. my wife didn't call me and say, Josiah fell 812 times today. No, she said, Josiah took two steps today. You know what? 
God counts your steps, not your falls. And he wants to use you tonight. So, here's a couple things about how God designed men. Number one, God designed men to live in close connection to him. God wants you living in a close connection to him. What I mean by that is God wants a relationship with you. God wants you to have a relationship with him. This is a big crowd that gathers every Thursday night. Not everyone upstairs in this great hangout has a relationship with God. No one is born with a relationship with God. You enter into a relationship with God by being born again. And so when you become a believer in God and a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible has a word for that, chosen. You are chosen. You belong to the Lord. You're in a relationship with Him. And God chose you. And this is such an awesome verse when the Lord said, I chose Abraham. Look at it right there in verse 19. It says the Lord chose him. God picked him. God selected him. God's really for you guys. God's not against you. God's for you. And if there's someone against God tonight, that makes no sense because God is for you. When it says God chose you, it's almost like the NFL draft, how they choose players. They're not all that to begin with, but they see raw talent. I heard uh, one of my buddies said this to me the other day. There was a game at Buford High School a couple weeks ago, and they said that uh, Coach Saban was there and uh, was out there in the stands. And Coach Kirby, was, boy, I wonder if they ran into each other at the concession stand over a hot dog. But they were scouting those players. And it's not like those Buford High School players are like the bomb.com. I mean, they're good, but they're not great. But they saw potential. They saw raw talent. They saw where they could go and what they could be. And listen to me, guys. That's how God sees you. God, God has chosen you. God believes in you. God is for you. God loves you. God is not counting your failures. He's counting your steps. See that word chose? It means to know. In the Old Testament, that word to know uh, dealt with intimacy between a husband and a wife. And it, so it's an intimate relationship. So, you know, not getting weird or sexual about you and God, none of that. But it's like God wants to intimately know you. He wants to be your best friend. He wants himself to be your best friend. He wants to know you deeply, and he already does. See, here's the thing. God knows everything about every man in the room. So if any of you guys got any secrets, you're not getting one off God. See, God knows everything about us. And you know what? When you think about God knowing everything about you men and women here tonight, one side of it freaks me out, but the other side sets me free. One side freaks me out, but the other side sets me free. It, it might freak you out to think, wow, man, God knows when I'm going to mess up. God knows when I'm going to fail. Here's the thing about God. Have you ever done something so dumb and you're like, I can't believe I did something so stupid. God will never say, I can't believe you did something so stupid. He already knows that we're going to do something stupid. So, so you're like, oh, I don't want to disappoint God. How can you disappoint God when he already knows what you're going to do? <laughs> Mind blow. How can you disappoint a God that loves you and he already knows your failures? He knows your temptations. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your insecurities. He knows every single thing about you, and he loves you. And that is so freeing to me to know that God accepts me and God loves me, 
And I don't have to perform for God. See, see, there's a lot of men in the room. All of us have insecurities. Specifically at the age group you're in, insecurity can really, really bubble up. And you got to feel like you got to prove yourself to a girl. you got to prove yourself to a professor. you got to prove yourself to a coach. That is exhausting. That is exhausting to always try to prove to people for them to accept you. You don't have to do that for God. You don't live for approval. You live from it. Man, that preposition is a game changer. I'm going to set some of you free tonight by that. Listen, some of you guys are living for approval. But as a child of God, you live from it. You're known by God. You're chosen by God. You are loved by God. And you don't have to keep the scorecard and you don't have to beat yourself up and you don't have to fake everybody out because God loves you as you are. Now, He loves you so much, He doesn't want you to remain the person you are. God loves you as you are but loves you too much for you to stay the way you are. Did you hear me? God loves you as you are but loves you too much for you to stay the way you are. He wants to grow you. So this relationship with God is a two-way street. Abraham, that guy was a messed up dude. When you study his life, I, I taught like 12 lessons on the life of Abraham a couple years ago. He was, he, he was something. He, he told terrible lies. One time, he, this man said, is, that's your wife? His wife is Sarah. And he's like, no, it's my sister. He lied and called his wife his sister. He fell into some weird stuff. But you know what? God loved him. God used him. And Abraham, because he walked with God, he got stronger. And I don't know what your struggle is tonight, but the longer you walk with God and you really get disciplined in your walk with God, things that you used to struggle with, you're not going to struggle with it. It's like going to the gym. I, a lot of you guys work out. So when you work out, you build muscles. And so the more time you're with God, you're building those spiritual faith muscles. And, and when you first went to the gym, you couldn't pick up anything. But now you're just showing off and taking selfies all the time. And we're tired of seeing them, by the way. Anyway, but, but, so, but so now what was hard is a piece of cake. And I'm telling you, the longer you know God, it's been Caleb, Jacob, you guys were, Elliot, y'all were leading us in that song a moment ago. I hadn't heard that one. Y'all need to do that at Christ's place. It's about, about treasure, about knowing Him. And see, and God wants to know you, and God wants you to know Him. And so real men are connected in a relationship with God. And you know, when you get that way, it is so free because you don't have to live for people's approval or you're not a needy man. There's nothing more pathetic than a needy man. Oh, I need you to make me feel like a man. I need you to tell me I'm a macho, macho man. I need you to tell me I'm smart. I need to tell you I look good. I need you to tell me I'm athletic. I need to tell you that I'm strong. Listen, when you're connected to God, you're not needy. You now become a life giver, a blessing giver. A hope giver. A joy giver. You become a, not a taker. See, when men aren't connected with God, they're always taking. They're always taking. you got to make me feel good. you got to make me feel like a man. But when you know who you are in Christ and you're connected to Him, no longer do you have to receive that from someone else because you already have it from the Lord. So men are connected to God. Let me show you something else. God designed men to be spiritual leaders. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. For I have chosen him, connection, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord 
by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may uh, bring to Abraham what he has promised to him. Okay, so I want you to see something in Scripture. It's like, you know, you learned this in college. So in, 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 in biblical literature, there are purpose clauses and result clauses. So there's a purpose clause in verse 19. And the purpose clause is, I chose him so that he may do something. God chose men so that they might lead. See, men are to lead. Now, I'm going to say something. I'm not trying to make any of you females mad. I'm not trying to pick a fight. I, I know what I'm saying that may not be popular. But God has given leadership, spiritual leadership, to the man. Women are great leaders. But when it comes to spiritual leadership in the home, in the family, in the church, this is what the scripture says, that the man was created first. There's this headship for leadership. It's never about browbeating it's never about walking around like little Lord ha-ha and commanding people to do stuff. That's ridiculous. Punch that man in the face. Real male leadership is humble, is loving, is compassionate, is selfless. And so men are to be leaders. So I do weddings. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 30 years this month. I don't know how many weddings I've done. A bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. And so in every wedding, I always go to the scriptures and I remind the dude and the dudette what their roles are. This dude has a role. This beautiful bride has a role. And if they don't function in their roles, they will be dysfunctional in their marriage. You ever seen a dysfunctional marriage? You might say, my parents. You ever seen a dysfunctional marriage? You might say some family member. And there's dysfunction when you don't operate in your roles. And so the role of a man is to give leadership to those in his life spiritually. Let me show you a scripture. It's in Ephesians 6 and 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. What is the role of a dad to lead the family? To lead the family. At Christ's place, we have something that we say to all the young men. You're not ready to be married. Oh, I love her. You're not ready to be married. Oh, I got to marry. You're not ready to be married until you can provide, protect, and pastor her. I'm not called to be a preacher. No, no, no. Pastor means not just Pastor Jeff, Pastor Logan. The word pastor just means shepherd. It just means spiritual leadership. And so on Thursday nights when you come to Revive, you got a good solid guy named Logan who gives you spiritual leadership, who gives you loving leadership. And so if you're a man and you're going to get married, if you can't do this, don't waste that girl's time. I don't care if you buy her a $10,000 ring. You know, you know, rings don't make marriages. We put all this focus. Some of you are going to get married. Don't make this mistake. Don't put all your focus in the wedding. Put your attention on the marriage. There's a real cool movement today. Let's have the coolest wedding. Let's find the biggest barn. Let's just get the best photographer. Let's make sure that we're dancing and have a DJ there. 
all that stuff is expensive, and your poor daddy's got to pay for it, right? Secondly, though, everybody forgets it in a week. But what the real thing is, is the commitment to the union of marriage, and men have to lead the way. So all you girls, I just gave you, I just gave you gold, girls, the three P's you're looking for. Don't waste your time if he cannot provide and protect. You want a man to protect you. Now, I'm not saying he's got to be packing. I'm not, not a bad idea. I got my concealed weapon permit. Might even have a gun under this jacket. No, I'm joking. But you want to protect. And you want to pastor. You want to lead. Some of you in this room, you came out of a home that your dad was a spiritual leader. And some of you in this place tonight, you came out of home and your dad wasn't a spiritual leader. And we're not throwing rocks at your dad. There's, there's no perfect dads. There's no perfect moms. I've, I've, been, I've been a dad for almost 22 years. And I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't the best dad when my kids were younger. I put more passion and focus on pastoring and preaching. And it makes my heart sad. If I could say, dear younger me, dear younger pastor me, I would have put more focus and attention on my children. And so if you've got a dad that's made mistakes, forgive him like my kids have forgiven me for so many transgressions. Because dads can get wobbly. But to have a good dad is a blessing. I mean, it is so important to have a father figure. And some of you may not have had a good dad, but you know what the Lord has done? He's, he's given you father figures. You, 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 that's that's why you need to be. I'm getting hot. Um, that's why. Whoo, hallelujah. Whoo, I'm going another hour. Uh, I'm joking. Listen, that's why you need to be connected in a church. That's why you need to be at Christ Place North or Central or go somewhere that teaches the Bible because you got to be around these godly role models, these godly men. You know, normally when I talk to people and I'm getting to know them. There's a question I always ask, and it says so much. I'll say something like, tell me about your dad. Every time, two responses. Not three, not four, two responses. First response, tell me about your dad. Their face will glow, they'll smile, their countenance will be peaceful, and they'll start rattling stories. Or, second response, they will shut me down. It's like they give you this look like they kind of give you the evil eye, like let's not go there. And I'm like, fine, we'll move to something else. Our dad's not powerful. The influence of the father. I was doing a little study and getting ready for this message. Dad's leadership in the family is a game changer. Kids are 39% more likely to make A's if dad's in the home. 49% less likely to have to repeat a grade. 60% less likely to be expelled or suspended from school. Two times more likely to go to college and get a good job or income. 75% less likely to become a teenage parent. 80% less likely to go to jail. I'm going to say something that, that I just don't understand why our government leaders and people in authority can't figure out. You know why there's such cray-cray in the world? You know why they have all these weird riots and loot and burn things down? And you see all this stuff. It's crazy. What is the problem? 
It's the absence of male leadership. I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but anytime you see cray-cray, it's because there's not the presence of strong spiritual male leadership. And that's, and that's what God's calling the men to provide. Now, I know you're young guys, but what you do now determines what you will do down the road. See, here's the thing right now in your age group. I envy you in so many ways. You can cheat. You can cheat. You can cheat sleep. You can, like, stay up like these. Listen, I'm a papaw. I go to bed now, like, at 9. We are living. We are, whoa, if we're in bed later than 10, you know. We're, like, wild and crazy. That's what happens. When you get old, you start wearing sweater vests, and you go to bed at 10. But when I was your age, when I was in college, I never slept. I studied for exams late. Did, I procrastinated. We're in a series called Margin at Christ's Place. I didn't have any margin. I ate what, man, Taco Bell, 2 in the morning. Yeah, baby. If I did that, I would be in the emergency room pumping my stomach out. You can blow money when you're at your age, but when you get my age, if you cheated with your money when you were younger, you're in trouble now. If you cheated in relationships when you were younger, you're in trouble now. If you cheated with taking care of your body, you're in trouble. Don't cheat now, because whatever you do now is going to be the trajectory to your future. You will develop habits right now that will either... Bless your life in the future or you'll crash and burn. So all this stuff I'm teaching you, you're like, man, I'm an 18-year-old guy. I'm only 21. I don't need to listen to this. You need to because you're setting your course, your future. And God is calling men to be leaders. Notice what he said in verse 19. He says he is commanding Abraham to do this. Notice what he said. He said that he may command his children and his household. Key phrase. After him. After him means we have to lead the way in two areas, righteousness and justice. See those two words? Righteousness is vertical. Justice is horizontal. So men, God designed us to be right with God, to obey God's word, to obey his rules in scripture. So when we are right vertical, it will impact us in how we live a life of justice. And we have to model this. We have to live it and we have to model it and we have to protect it. And so God is calling you to be a leader. Now I know that some people are better leaders than others. I believe you grow in leadership. I was telling you I've been a pastor for 30 years. My first pastorate was in Mississippi. They hired me to be a pastor. I was 22 I didn't know anything. I remember when someone gave their heart to the Lord and they needed to be baptized, I didn't know how to baptize anybody. I, I, never, I thought I was going to drown them. I remember late on a Saturday night, a buddy of mine, we were in this little church I pastored, and it was like 1130 at night, and we were practicing baptizing one another. You don't want to be caught doing that. That's just kind of like two guys in the Baptist street dunking each other in the water. That's a little weird. You can lose your man card for that, I'm telling you. And so we're like practicing. I bet that's your you know. And our deacon walked in and turned the lights on. We're like busted. I didn't have a clue. I remember. I remember our pianist. Her name was Judy. She was thirty-three years of age, and she died of a massive heart attack. 
I had no idea how to do a funeral. I cried like a baby. I did not even know what to do, how to minister. So we grow as leaders. I've been doing this a while. I'm, I don't even think I'm good now. I just, I'm growing. I'm, I'm, I'm evolving in a good way. I'm telling you, you men tonight, no, you, you're young. You, you, you don't have a lot of experience. But if you make a commitment right now to lead with righteousness and justice, God will bless you. John Maxwell gives the best definition for leadership. What is leadership? Having the corner office with the private bathroom? No. What is leadership? Bossing everybody around at work? This is gold. Leadership is influence. And we have influence. You have influence. All you guys in this room, if you knew the influence you had, it would blow you away. And if you knew the influence you squandered, it probably would make tears come down from your face. Because you're squandering opportunities to influence people. You got little brothers, little sisters at home. You got people at your college that are younger classmen than you. And people are looking at you to give leadership. Men were designed to lead. Let me mention one last one. I'll be done. God designed men to have a lasting influence. Look at verse 19. We're just unpacking this verse. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteous and justice. Now here's the purpose clause or the result clause. The Bible says uh, in verse 19 that by doing this, God will bless him. God will honor his life. And God's going to fulfill these promises that he made to him. And so the result clause is so that the Lord might bring to Abraham what he has promised to him. What did God promise to Abraham? Verse 17 and verse 18. So look, the Lord said, shall I hide this from Abraham? What I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great uh, and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And so what God is saying is, I have chose Abraham to father a nation. Here's the problem. Abraham and his wife have no kids. And he's way up in years, you know, like 100, his wife 90, have no kids. So how can this happen? How can this happen? When God makes a promise, he keeps every promise. And God made a promise to Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you a lasting influence. And so what Abraham had to do is just be that man and that God would bless that man. It's not that Abraham had to be great. It's that God would do great things through him and he would just be connected. And he would give that leadership and God would do the rest. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sell you oceanfront property when I tell you this. I'm going to talk to every dude in the room right now, every young man. If God could pull back the curtain and show you your future, it'd take your breath away. If God pulled back the curtain and showed you, young lady, what he has planned for you, it'd take your breath away. But you know what? The enemy, the devil, doesn't want you to have that blessed future. So he messes with your head, and you get away from the authority of Scripture, and you do your own thing, and you squander this incredible future that God has for your life. If you could just realize what God has designed you and made you and purposed you to do, it would blow your mind. He's looking for you to be faithful. I started college when I was 18, so I turned 18 July the 9th. I started college August the 9th. So I'm 18 years old. I go to college. 
God put a calling on my life to do what I'm doing now, to be a preacher. And I sat in this chapel service during orientation week. And this is what the president said. Dr. Dupos was his name. He said to all the freshman class, he said, I want you boys to finish well. He said, it's a long way from here to there. And I'm going to ask that you pray to God to help you finish well. And he said, look around you, because a lot of people in this service, they won't finish. When you cross the finish line, there's a lot that won't finish. So I'm 18, and I'm thinking, oh, he's an old man. What's he talking about? All these people, they're all going to finish. I'll tell you something. I could right now rattle off about 45 to maybe 60 names of people in that room with me that day. There's a few of them in prison. No joke. Divorce. They were in the ministry. Divorce. I've got a couple of them. They are not even followers of Jesus today. And he spoke truth to me that day. He's like, there's a long way from here to the finish line. A couple months ago, we ordained to the ministry your leader, young Logan. And Logan, do you remember that? Ben Grimsley, Logan Evans, these two young guys, these powerhouses for God. And this is what I said to those men. I said, it's a long way from here to the finish line. And I asked the church to pray for them. We need them to finish well. And I look at your generation. There's a lot of traps. There's a lot of holes. There's a lot of dangerous traps that the devil's put out in front of you. We need you to finish well. You know why we need you to finish well? Because You've got another generation coming behind you. You have no idea. God may give you a spouse, and you may have children, grandchildren in the future. I know you ain't thinking those terms, but one of these days, God will allow your influence to have a lasting legacy when you finish well. I love this scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures from the book of Proverbs, and it goes like this. The righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. I don't think that there's any greater thing that I want to accomplish is to keep my integrity. A lot of your older people in your family, like grandpas and dads, they always want to say, oh, I want to leave something for my children. I don't want to leave something for my children. I want to leave something in my children. See, we, we, we don't want someone to leave something for us. We want something to leave someone to leave something in us. That we're going to finish well and we're going to be not dysfunctional, but we're going to be as how God has denied us, how God has designed us. And so, men, I'm praying for you. I prayed for you this morning. I, I spent quite a bit of time early this morning praying for every man that would be in this room. And I, I didn't even know, you know who you'd be, but I, I've just been praying for you throughout the day. And I've been praying for you, sweet girls, in this service. I mean, I, I really look at my role as a older brother to the girls in this room, that I want you precious young women of God to finish well and not settle. And this is the type of man you need to look for who is connected to God, who is a leader, a spiritual leader, and who will trust God with integrity to have a lasting impact. I just feel led right now to pray for all the men in the room. And Pastor Nicholas, would you get on that keyboard and, and just start playing something and I, I just want some keyboard going right now. And, and I know they'll be singing another song. But 
before the whole band comes and the singers come, I, I just I just thought that I just felt real compelled tonight that if if there's some men in the room that really want this prayer over their life, listen, here's what I'm trying to say. I want to speak Genesis 18, 19 over all the men. I want to speak this promise over all the men tonight at Revive. And, and, and if you're a guy and you want to be part of this prayer, I'm just going to invite you just to stand up. If you want to be part of this prayer and you're a guy, you want me to pray over you, I just I invite you right now just to stand where you're at. And I want to pray for the men. And women in the room, you know, you're seated. But you know what would be so awesome? If you'd pray for these men. Because you know what? They're your brothers. We're God's people. We're the family of God. And maybe maybe you got a guy in your life and he's not here tonight. You ought to pray over him even while he's not in the room. So, so men, let's just kind of bow our heads. And women as well. And let me just have a prayer over you. Let's just pray something like this. God... You see me and you know me. You know all about me. You know my secrets. You know my habits, good ones and bad ones. You know my struggles. And Lord, I just need to ask you to forgive me tonight of some sin in my life that doesn't belong there. And it's it's making me dysfunction as you've designed me. And I need you to help me to overcome that struggle. Whatever that struggle is right now, I want you just to confess it. God, sir. Just confess it to him. Tell God this in your prayer. Lord, you see my capacity. You chose me. You see what I can be. Help me to see it. Ask God, you know, didn't we, didn't I hear this, Ellie? Take the scales off our eyes. Didn't I hear that line? Men, ask God right now to take the scales off your eyes and see what he sees over you. Ask God to whisper in your ear his dream over your life. And ask God right now, men, Lord, help me to believe for what you have placed inside me. I want to be constantly connected to you. Let's pray about leadership. Lord, help me to be a better leader. And you know, leadership is influence, and you are a leader, whether you realize it or not. Here's the deal about leadership. You're either a good one or a bad one. Ask God to help you be a good one. How are we to lead? According to verse 19, we are to lead in righteousness and justice. And we can't lead if we're not living it. You can't lead what you don't live. Ask God right now to help you live a righteous life and a justice life. And then ask God right now to help you live a life of blessing. What legacy will you leave? Don't ever think that the legacy you'll leave is a long, long life. It's not the duration of life. It's the donation of life. And I have seen young people your age that have died a young death. But I saw their legacy larger than some people that lived six and seven and eight decades don't ever think you got to get older to do something big for God God wants to use you tonight as a man so tonight men pray that you'll be connected to God and you'll lead in righteousness and justice 
and you'll live with integrity. Father, I thank you for every man in this room. I want to call this out of them. And if there's a guy in the room tonight that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the only way to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we know, is God, you must initiate it. It's not something we decide. It's something you call us to. And I pray you'll call people to salvation tonight. And I pray for every young woman in this room, all these awesome young ladies in this room, I just pray for their hearts tonight. I know that they've had to be patient to listen to me talk about men. I just pray that as they've been listening, they've learned something, they've been helped, and at least they also know what to pray for. So we surrender to you. We don't want to live dysfunctional lives. We want to honor you with our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Girls, would you stand with the guys now? And we're just going to have a time of worship. And you know the drill here at Revive. Maybe there's something on your heart tonight you really need to talk to someone about. You know where our leaders are. They're in the back of the room. Maybe there's something really heavy on your heart. You know Pastor Logan's always here to encourage you. So, uh, Caleb, Jacob, you guys just lead us. We're going to sing some, and then Pastor Logan will close us. Hey, so we were originally going to do a different song uh, to close us out, but I think we're just going to do one at all.